Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. Welcome to Mother Angelica Answering the Call. Well, the truth is never on hold. I'm Doug Keck here with our chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, as we listen in to Mother taking questions and giving her great insights from her classic television program she hosted in the 80s and 90s. Great to be with you again, Father. Always good to be with you, Doug, too, and just to learn from Mother's timeless wisdom. Absolutely. Timeless accent, exactly what it is. Uh, the more we hear it, the, the more sense it makes, even more mm -hmm. than many times when we first heard it. Right. Uh, the topics today, Stations of the Cross and Compassion. How do I know if it comes from the Holy Spirit, being badgered by atheists, and love him and pray for him? First up, Father, is the Stations of the Cross and Compassion. Now, you had something to do with putting a book together that related to Mother Angelica. Mm -hmm about the Stations of the Cross, right? Yes, and uh, the caregivers of Mother Angelica, they said, Father, we want to go to Canton, Ohio and see the places associated with Mother Angelica. So I agreed to go with them, and it was a wonderful trip. And we visited St. Anthony's Church, where she grew up, and where she was baptized. And her mother placed her before the statue of the Sorrowful Mother that is still there. And that's where Rita Rizzo, to become Mother Angelica, sensed her vocation, mm -hmm. praying before our, 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 this, our Sorrowful Lady. But there they have the Stations of the Cross, the same ones that she prayed before, and so we turned those into a, a wonderful little book mm -hmm. uh, for the Stations of the Cross. Right, absolutely. That's also where uh, Mother's uh, musings on the stations are also available in one of her mini books. Mm -hmm. and, and I think right. it, or one of Raymond's mm -hmm. books I know deals with Mother's uh, actual her meditations, uh, meditations on the stations. Exactly, on the mm -hmm. stations. Let me ask you, are the stations as popular today as they used to be, or do you think they're coming back a little bit? I think they are coming back. Uh, the friars are having them, you know, during the season of Lent, and we've had them. And uh, just a good turnout of employees and locals who come there to take part in the Stations of the Cross. And I know the cathedral had uh, sung Stations of the Cross. So I do see them coming back in many places, and it's such a beautiful meditation that helps us to meditate on the virtues of Jesus, mm -hmm. his obedience, his humility, his mercy, his forgiveness, his trust, his perseverance. Well, she also talks about uh, Veronica's veil, and Veronica in here, a great quote, did you ever have someone have the courage to stand by you as mm. Veronica did in such a terrible situation? So Mother tries to tie it into our own living it out. That's what she always did with the scriptures and with these devotions, too. How are we going to live this out in our own lives? Amen. Stations of the Cross and Compassion. We have a call from our audience, and I don't want to miss them. Hello? Hello? Good evening, Mother. Good evening. I was assigned to write the Stations of the Cross at one time, and I, w I want to ask you a question now, in writing the stations, I found many books, especially the Pieta, that was very helpful. And we know that no man's cross is for himself alone, and we are now aware that we all have to uh, live out his passion, death, and resurrection. But when I came to the fourth station, there was nothing in the books about it, and I was trying to have the books help me. So I want to ask you if this fourth station is correct. 
when Jesus looked at Mary and they looked at each other mm. and there wasn't a word said. No. But what was said to me is they were two hearts beating as one in doing the will of the Father. And then I became aware of the precious blood of Mary because it was her blood also being shed upon the cross. Now, I don't know how correct this was. And when I came to some of the stations, you can't find everything in books. So it's like you're giving your heart on the cross and learning to pray from the heart. I came to the seventh station and I couldn't find very much. So Jesus said, just open your heart and let me put you the face that I right. put on Veronica's veil. Right. So well, this, is, this has been a tremendous experience and it's very healing. But when I came to the cross on, uh, where he was raised up, he says, I will raise you up. Well, let me, let me explain that for a station as we did just a, a minute ago. The words pain is when you see someone you love suffer intensely and there's nothing you can do about it. The worst thing about that was the humiliation of Jesus seeing his mother see him in that condition. See, we, we, we don't get into anything. We don't get into the pain of Jesus. I think that was one of the worst pains Jesus and Mary had. When Simeon said to Jesus, to Mary, when she brought Jesus at the temple, at the presentation, he said, this child is destined for the rise and fall of many in Israel, and a sword shall pierce your heart. I think there were seven swords that pierced Mary's heart. I think that when she glanced at Jesus, and Jesus glanced at her, either one able to help, there was no way he could comfort her and no way she could comfort him except through her love and his love for her. I think that's when a sword pierced her heart. You can't look at someone you love and know that they're suffering intensely and you can do nothing about it and not have your heart break. You can't. It's impossible. If you haven't gotten that far, you're bad off. You can't look at these babies in Africa that are starving and then just turn a page. I mean, there has to be when we've lost that. When you lose God and when we lose when we lose compassion for Jesus, you lose compassion for each other. Everything is just a news item. Nobody cries anymore over the right thing. We don't want to get involved, you see. Well, I hate to say we only got two minutes left. And we've only done seven stations. But I hope, I hope that you see yourself in there. Do you see yourself a little better in the stations than you would before, huh? Can you relate to stations to yourself now? Can you see yourself condemned sometimes? And then look at Jesus and say, how did he hide in, in total silence? And, and take upon your cross, yourself, a cross that you feel is too heavy for you right now. You just don't have the strength for it. And then fall beneath it. 
Have you never looked at someone you loved and just felt so frustrated because there was nothing you could do? Have you ever has suddenly had someone out of nowhere come and help you when you thought everything was lost? Huh? Did you ever have someone have the courage to stand by you as Veronica did in a terrible situation when everybody's against you? Everybody. When there's no one you can point to that said, here is a friend. Did you ever have that experience? Huh? Then have somebody come out of nowhere and say, I am your friend. Yes, he had his stations. And so do you. I would encourage you to go to your local church and make the stations. If you don't, go to your bookstore and get a book on them. Next up, we deal with how do I know it comes from the Holy Spirit? Now, this is something that many people struggle with, mm -hmm. understanding who is talking to me right. and, and who is prompting in me in my spiritual life. I like something Mother said here, that when it comes from the Holy Spirit, it comes quickly. Mm -hmm. And that reminds me of something St. Teresa of Avila, the mystical doctor on prayer, she said, God teaches me everything in a moment, in an instant. And there is a certain moment when you just grasp it all, right? When the Lord is speaking to you. You know, I prepare my homilies, and I always prefer when I have a televised homily to make a holy hour before. And I always say, Lord, what do you want me to tell the people today? And I invoke the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I'm wrestling with, well, should I go this way, that way? And suddenly, it's like in a moment, you know, this is the emphasis that I want to impart to, your, to my people Right, and she talks about the idea that it's always going to be an inspiration to lift the soul, never to mm. condemn, though the Spirit does correct, right? Right, and that's the distinction. The evil one wants us to feel condemned, that there's no hope, that we should despair. The Lord does correct us, but it's always with encouragement, and he also increases our faith and our hope and our love. Then we know it's from the Holy Spirit. Mother Angelica talks about how do I know if it comes from the Holy Spirit? We have a caller. Hello? Hello. Where are you from? I'm from uh, New Jersey, Mother. Good evening, Mother. Good evening. It's really a great honor just to talk to you over the phone. Oh, good. I've been watching your program. Wonderful. For a long, long time. And I really wish I could just talk to you a little, little bit, you know? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I got a question. And sometimes in our prayer meeting, or in uh, things that I'm doing, I am not so sure whether it's coming from the Holy Spirit right. or just from me, myself. That's right. That's why I'm holding back whether I say the Holy Spirit is, you know, I don't want to say that if it is not from Him. I want to be sure. How can I be, how would I know whether it's from Him or it's just me? Well, I think when, when the Holy Spirit makes, wants to speak through us, it comes very quickly. Sometimes when we speak on our own, we have to figure out what we're going to say and when we're going to say and who's going to listen. And, and I think you have to test it. You need somebody in that prayer group that can test the word before you say it. And, and that, that's something that St. Paul said we should always trust, test the word of knowledge because you don't know. 
First of all, does this word, is it something that's going to lift the soul up to God? If it's condemnation, I would never think it was from the Spirit. Did we, we need to be very careful. And if what I feel the Lord wants me to say is something that's going to lift someone up, something going to bring them closer to the Lord, then, uh, and sometimes the Spirit corrects, but it's always with love and gentleness. But in all things, you need to check that, uh, that word and, and that spirit with somebody in your prayer group who is a man or a woman of God so that they can discern. That's the gift of counsel. And if you ask the Spirit to give you the gift of counsel, he'd be glad. He's, he's always ready to give. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us. Part two of Mother Angelica answering the call. Doug Kecht here with Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Our topic kicking off part two is being badgered by atheists. Now, is this something that ever happened to you, Father? Um, not so much, I don't think. Uh, I've always lived among people with great faith. I have been, however, exchanging mail <laughs> with a man, and it's interesting because he says, no, there's no God, you know, and he's throwing up Hitler as the reason, and where was God when all of that was going on? And I've written back, and he's re written back to me, but I thought it was interesting, and Mother brings that up here, too. He's still writing, you know? It's not like he's totally written off the idea that God exists, right? because he's still looking for an answer. And he hasn't given up totally. And I think that's what Mother's bringing up home here, too, is that there's a reason they're still agitated by this question. Right. And it's interesting, too. Somebody once said, when they said that about uh, where was God when Hitler was running wild, well, where were the German people? Where were the United States? Where was everybody else? Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. These things only were, went on because people cooperated mm -hmm. with them. And Mother talks about being a thorn in someone's side, you know, by your own faith and example. And I couldn't help but think of a, a scripture that we use when we talk about the Lord's Passion. And it's sometimes read either during Passion Week or Holy Week. And it's from Wisdom Chapter 2. He professes to have knowledge of God and styles himself a child of the Lord. To us, he is a censure of our thoughts, merely to see him as a hardship for us, because his life is not like others and different are his ways. And so just living our gospel sometimes is an agitation for others because it reminds them of what they need to embrace. Right, I think you see that with a lot of ex-Catholics dealing with guilt. Let's see, being badgered by atheists. We have another call, hello? Hello, ma Mother? Yes. I'm surrounded out here in California by a few atheists. And my biggest problem... And a and a few faults, too. <sighs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> They're okay. <laughs> I can handle the faults more than I can the atheist. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, what I have found is I've tried to treat them gently. I go to church. I'm always happy. They look at me like I'm out of my mind. Mm -hmm. um, I invite them along, and I just go, and I don't push anything. But That's they good. are constantly pushing on me. That I, means you're reaching them, though. Is it? Yeah. 
uh, when a person gets agitated because you're saying or you do what you do or you are who you are, you're, you're, you're beginning to bother them, see, and so they can't stand it. Uh-huh. That's a good sign. That is. Well, yeah. they did ask me a question not too long ago, and I snapped. Um, being German, Irish, and Italian, my better half of me got a hold of it. <laughs> and uh, I basically told them that I no longer saw a need to prove that there was a God. I wasn't going to get into this debate with them, that they could not prove there was not a God. Um, and I didn't want to hear that kind of talk anymore. Yeah. But my temper is getting the best of me, and I'm not sure how to handle them. Hmm. German, Irish, and Italian. (laughs) Well, I think you have to have the same kind of patience the Lord had with you. See? You can't blame a blind man if he cannot find the door. He doesn't have the eyes to see. These people who have denied the existence of God at this point do not have the eyes to see, the faith to see. Many times their way of life would be jeopardized if they have faith. And so they have what we call culpable ignorance. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want to know God because if they know God, they're going to have to change their way of life. And they don't want to do that, so they just make all these little things up, you know. Well, what I would do to you, I would be even nicer to them. Don't lose your temper. You know, if you're going to lose your temper, pick something big. (laughs) Um, Why don't you just say to them once in a while, well, whether you believe it or not, or know it or not, or understand it or not, Jesus loves you. And go your way. See, they, they've never been told there is, you're trying to prove there is a God. Well, the very fact they're standing in front of you proves there is a God. You know what I mean? If there was like a guy, we wouldn't have anything. It would be nothing. We'd be the nothingness that was in the beginning, the void. So I would just say, I just want to say you one thing and tell you one thing. Jesus loves you. He loved you enough to die for you. And, and just kind of give him a little dart. Don't argue. No, it doesn't pay to argue. They got with my grandmother used to say, testadura. That's Italian for hard heads. <laughs> and and I, I, I think that's what's happened to them. And, and you aggravate them, see? Remember, sweetheart, if you're a good Christian, you've got to be a thorn in somebody's side. I'm a thorn in a lot of people's side. (laughs) And I enjoy it. (laughs) See? And I enjoy it because that means they're thinking. One time somebody wrote to me and said, I hate you. Okay. It didn't bother me any. But they keep writing that. They're listening. See? If I hated somebody, I'd turn my dial. I wouldn't listen to them. 
Why waste my time on somebody I think is a nincompoop, you know? <laughs> so you, you do reach them, so I want you to know that you are reaching them. What you need to do is pray for them. Say the rosary. See, these are the kind of people only Jesus can touch. But if you just say, look, Jesus loves you. Peek your head in the door sometime when they're, when they're working and Pete say, hi, Jesus loves you. Boom. <laughs> And go your smiling way, because you know he loves you. They don't know yet. Try that. And closing out our program for this week, a topic, love him and pray for him. That's kind of tough, isn't it? This is a tough one. And I hear it so often as a priest, parents just grieving over these situations where they embrace what is popular today, as Mother kind of brings that out today. We've had on the Church Universal program a group called Encourage. So for parents who have children who have embraced uh, the gay lifestyle, and it's a way to have some light. Well, how do we proceed? How do we go forward? Doug, you and I are doing the Catholic Sphere program on occasion. And one of the programs that I'm planning is to talk with farmers and their faith. Now, why do I want to do that? Because I think farmers stay rooted in reality, in nature, creation, how God created things, how it is to be. The natural law is right there before them. And so I think we're losing sight of that. We're living in a virtual world of our own imagination sometimes rather than living in God's natural law and his moral law. And that's why we see all the destruction and problems in society. And again, as Mother talks about misdirected compassion, you can love your child, you know, love Mm -hmm. the sinner, hate the sin at the same time. She makes the point, don't ever give the impression you're approving of this just because you love that individual. Let's see what Mother has to say. As she said, love him and pray for him. Amen. We have another call. Hello? Hello. Where are you from? Yes, Mother. New York, New York State. I would like to, to ask you, Mother, I have had many problems in my life, and uh, I have not lost my faith. I always especially to the Blessed Mother. Mm-hmm. My question will be right now, Mother, what do you do when uh, your son knows the most beautiful human being comes to you and tells you that he's gay? Hmm. What, what is your question, though? Your, your son told you he was gay? <sighs> That's a cross. That's a cross. Because it kind of leaves you in the air, doesn't it, huh? You just don't know what to do. You love him, and yet you know what he's doing is, is very wrong. You must love him and pray. Pray. He won't listen to your words. Perhaps. But it is not beyond redemption. No matter what he is now, it's wrong. You must tell him that. But you must love him. And that's what's so hard with all of us. We tend to hate the sin and the sinner. 
And it's hard to, to separate the sin from the sinner. Hmm? St. Peter was a great sinner. He, he denied his Lord. Uh, and our dear Lord did not say to him, I do not choose you, you disappointed me. He still chose him, huh? Um, this young boy is just going in with the crowd because it's so accepted. See? So accepted. And you, they make you feel guilty. Number two, what God calls him to is a celibate life unless he gets married. You have to tell him that. Whenever we misuse anything of God's gift to us, we destroy it. If you buy a new car and you put a nail in the tire, you're not going very far, you see. You can't take anything they make, anything you buy today, and, and misuse it and expect it to last. It's the same with our body. Whether you drink yourself to death or smoke yourself to death or drug yourself to death or sex yourself to death, especially being an active homosexual, the action is sinful. But he is still a man made to the image and likeness of God. Love him. Never let him think for a moment you accept his lifestyle. You cannot do that. That would be misdirected compassion. But love him and pray. Pray. That at some point in his life, he will know it's wrong. It's against his own nature. And we will pray too. For all of those who are called tonight with such heavy crosses, know that your eternal glory and your eternal happiness will be greater, greater because of them. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.